Hey, thanks for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can head to our website at RenewalChicago.com. I pray today that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. Well, as I already said, this is Vision Week at Renewal. And I believe that during this year of the pandemic and everything that's happening around us, vision is one of the most paramount things that we actually can be talking about right now. And the reason I say this is because when things start to get shaky in our lives and things start to to get out of hand a little bit, one of the first things that's thrown out of the window in our lives is where we're going. And what do I mean with this? We get so wrapped up in the midst of busyness. We get so wrapped up in climbing that parenthetical ladder or, or trying to climb higher in our, our, our businesses or our professions. And we're taking on this new task and we know we shouldn't take on anything else. Or we start obsessing about things that we never would obsess about. And I believe many times this is because we've lost sight of vision. As Pastor Andy Stanley said once, he said that vision leaks, which means that we forget or we lose sight of it. We simply lose direction. I mean, think about this. Think about it. Have you ever been driving in your car before? And and, and as you're driving down the road, your your GPS goes out or your Waze app, you know how we do in Chicago. It doesn't work anymore. And now you're in the middle of this dark road and you have nowhere to go. You don't know which way to go. You've you, you've lost direction and you, you start to panic and you're like, what am I going to do? And, and panic doesn't, panicking doesn't help it. But you know why we're panicking? Because you lost direction. You've lost sight of where you're going. You've lost vision. See, vision helps us know where we're going. If we do not have vision for our lives, then it's like trying to wander through a, a, a huge mansion in the midst of darkness while it's, it's dark outside. Y'all, I ain't trying to be in nobody's big old house by myself. And, and y'all, I've seen too many scary movies. But you, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like trying to go through this, this mansion and it's pitch black and you have no, you don't know where you're going. What starts to happen is fear starts to creep in. You know, when we lose vision, temptation starts to rise in our life. Anxiety starts to rise. Depression starts to rise. Proverbs 29, 18 says this. Look at it with me. It says, where there is no prophetic vision, people cast off restraint. I love the King James Version because it says this. And some of you guys may know this. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Simply put, vision is key for all of us to make it through this life, especially in the midst of a pandemic. With that, let me give you a little bit of our vision here at Renewal, if you've never heard it before. We desire to be a church, Renewal. We desire to be a Christ-centered church that's centered on the gospel while seeking the welfare of the city. Now, what does that mean? That means that we want to be a church that's in the city, but not just in the city, a city that's for a church that's for the city that seeks the welfare of the city, which means that if God saw fit to move us from this city, the city would miss us because we love the city so well. There would be a piece of the city missing because renewal was gone. See, this vision we have, it it rests upon three pillars, as I like to call them, that I believe are rhythmic and indicative of every believer. The three pillars are, hear me, 
We want to be a church that renews, rebuilds, and releases people through the work of Jesus Christ. We see this all throughout the scripture, especially with Jesus' ministry and his disciples while he's with them. We see him renewing their hearts to the gospel, him spending time with them. Then we see him rebuilding their lives by him hanging with them and them walking alongside him. Then we see him release them to do the work of the ministry after he ascends to heaven. As a matter of fact, it's because of these disciples' faithfulness that we are here as a church talking about Jesus today. Now hear me, friends. If this was Jesus's ministry, if this was his mission to renew hearts and rebuild lives and release people, and we want to be a Christ-centered church, then, then, then we don't need to reinvent the wheel. We just need to follow his example. Amen, somebody. But family, my fear for many of us during this season is that we're missing Jesus for the trees. I know I stepped into somebody's living room. We're missing Jesus for the trees and family. You have heard me say this time and time again. Let's not miss Jesus in this season. That's my vision for this season. I want us to see Jesus. So today what I'm going to do, I'm going to do something a little bit different than what I've done in typical vision Sundays where I walk through the vision. And how was that playing out through our church practically and this and that instead of just breaking the vision down we're going to look at a text today and and we're going to to look at two different people there's this contrast between this demon possessed man and then the other folk in the text and we're going to look at how they respond to Jesus reason being is again i don't want us to miss Jesus in this season, many of us are missing Jesus because of the season and we're not responding to him well. We're not seeing Jesus in our life. And in this text, one person sees Jesus and has his life changed and the other people so wrapped up in trying to control their environment, they miss Jesus. They miss life change wrapped up in trying to control and the, the fear of the unknown. And anybody there this morning? Let, let's be honest. If we're not honest, we're going to miss what Jesus might have for us today. And we're totally going to miss him in the season because I don't know about you guys, but I, I've, been, I've been wrapped up in my stuff a little bit lately. I, I've been wrapped up in trying to control some things around me. And, 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 and sometimes I find myself not trusting Jesus the way I need to. Anybody with me this morning? See, the vision, simply put, is I want us to see Jesus this season. I don't want us to miss a moment. Here's the reality. God is up to something in the midst of this pandemic. But hear me. We will not see it if we do not see him first. So flip with me to Mark chapter five. We're going to read 20 verses today. It's a lot. But I want you to just to, to listen along or read along with me. If you can, go ahead and stand on your feet. If you're in your homes or if you're in a watch party, stand and hear now the reading of God's word starting in chapter five of Mark. We're going to read the first 20 verses here now, the reading of God's word. If you got it, go ahead and say, got it or write it in the chat. It says, they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of Gerasenes, and 
when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was crying out and cutting himself with stones. Do you see what he's doing? And when, when, when Jesus saw him from afar, or when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and he fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? He replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out, and they entered the pigs, the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea, and they drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it to the city and in the country, and people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to, the, to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had, been, had, been, had the legion, sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to this demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from the region. And he was getting into the boat, and the man who had, possessed, had been possessed with the demons begged him that he might be with him. Do not miss what's happening. And he did not permit him, but he said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. The very words of God, amen. Today I want to preach on this simple topic, let's not miss Jesus. Let's not miss Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today, God. I just ask simply that you would cross. I increase me so that you may increase. Father, be the words that come out of my mouth. God, may everything that I say and do in this time be acceptable in your sight. Lord, let us hear from you and no one else. And it's in the mighty and magnificent name of Jesus that we all say together, amen and amen. Well, in our text today, Jesus heals this demon-possessed man. And instead of the people worshiping him and falling down before him, they ask him to leave. Don't miss that. They say if Jesus can heal this demon-possessed man that we tried and try over and over again to heal, his, powerful, his power is now uncontrollable. Therefore, we don't want him around. Why? Because they want to be able to control their environments. <laughs> Sound familiar? They want to control their surroundings. They want to control their lives. And if Jesus is in the picture, his power is far greater than theirs. He healed this demon-possessed man, so therefore we can't control him. We don't need you around, Jesus. 
Today, friends, I, I want to pose this question. What if you Jesus your life? I mean, all of you, what if you just laid it all down at the feet of Jesus? Just imagine, what, what could he do with you? See, some of us are really battling this right now, especially in the midst of this pandemic, holding on to control of your life and surroundings, and you're, and you're going crazy instead of just trusting Jesus. Well, 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 Jesus, let me do a little bit more of this, and let me do a little bit more of that. I, I'm trying to accomplish this, Jesus. I'm trying to get to this space in my life, Jesus. Just, just hold on just a minute. I, I promise I'll come to you just a little bit longer. I'm almost there, Jesus. Friends, what if we just truly let Jesus be Lord. See, at the beginning of this text, Jesus and the disciples, they finally make it through the storm to the other side, to the country of Gerasenes. And, and this is probably sometime in the middle of the night. I got I to gotta take us to school a little bit. I want to paint the picture for you. So follow me. I promise I'm coming to your neighborhood. They, they arrive in the middle of the night because the storm happened in the evening, according to the context. Jesus barely gets out of the boat and the man that has been living in the tombs comes out to meet him. Did you catch that? My man has been living in the tombs. Now, tombs back then, they weren't the tombs that we're actually thinking about today. They were caves, but they still housed dead people. So my man in the text is hanging around dead people, which means that he's probably surviving off the food that people are leaving for their loved ones that have already been, that have been dead and gone. So that means he's eating, eating rotten and, and nasty food. A demon-possessed man is hanging out and lives in the tombs with dead people. He cannot be bound by human strength or chains, and night and day he's cutting himself with stones. And in our text, he's running up to Jesus in the middle of the night. Y'all, this is some real-life scary movie type of stuff. You notice the text. <laughs> it doesn't say anything about the disciples. My God, they didn't even get up out the boat, probably. And you know why? Because people didn't mess with demons back then. We don't mess with demons right now. I mean, if it was me, honestly, I wouldn't have got out the boat either. If, if I saw something like the walking dead, walking up to Jesus, y'all, I, 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 I'm not about to be like, hey, what's up? What's your name? No, I'm running. You ain't going to catch me. But not Jesus. One commentator, he put it this way. He said, look at it with me. He says, it was in the nighttime and before the cock crowed, the demons were especially active. To sleep alone in an empty house at night was dangerous. To greet any person in the dark was perilous, for he might be a demon. To go out in the, at night without a lantern or a torch was to court trouble. It was a perilous place and a perilous hour and the man was a dangerous man. So you get the picture. This isn't somebody that you wanted to fool with. The text says in verse 6, when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and he fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. Now, 
You have to pay attention to this. You got to pay attention to what happens when this demon-possessed man comes up to Jesus and how he addresses him. I told you, I promise I'm coming to your neighborhood. Stay with me. He falls down before Jesus. Now, this indicates to us two different things. Either this man realizes he is possessed and longs for Jesus to heal him, or it indicates to us that demons bow down to Jesus too. Now, both are relevant in the text, and, and I'm not going to try and guess and tell you exactly which one is happening here. But what we do know is that when this man starts to speak, this isn't the man speaking. This is the demon speaking. Now, you say, Pastor D, how, how do you know this is the demon speaking? The reason we know this is that nobody up to this point knew who Jesus was. Nobody was calling him Jesus, the son of God. Matter of fact, as you look back over the chapters and in Mark, if you go back to the first chapter, you see another demon approach Jesus and he calls him son of God. I mean, you only saw demons recognizing him. Look at this. Chapter one, verse 24 says this. What have you to do with us? This is another demon. Jesus of Nazareth. Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the holy one of God. Or in chapter 3, verse 11, you look at this part and it says, another demon. <laughs> and whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, you are the son of God. You see that? Friends, the reason that a demon knows who Jesus is because Satan knows who Jesus is. Y'all follow me. He was an angel before he fell from heaven. And, and you better believe his band of followers or demons that fell with him, they knew who Jesus was too. This demon calls him by name. I know who you are, Jesus. I got your number. This demon bows down at Jesus' feet and says, what do you want to do with me? He begs in the name of God, don't torment me. Now, see, the crazy thing about this is that you can picture this ugly, I mean, slimy, horrendous, scary, conniving, just evil looking creature at Jesus's feet. And although he's a demon and he has the power over man, he's breaking chains and stuff. He's quaking in his boots in Jesus's presence. Now, I need some of you guys to pay attention to me right now because here it is. Too many of us give too much power to demons and Satan. We give too much power. We get too wrapped up in this. Some of y'all are like wrapped all up in it right now. Let, let me let me let me let me help you. We get too rattled by Satan and demons. Look at this text. Jesus ain't rattled at all. Not one bit. And this speaks to his lordship. This speaks to him being lord over all, even the demons. So if you believe you ain't got to worry about demons. You don't worry about Satan. Jesus has already conquered them. Jesus has power over them. He ain't quaking at all. But see, here's the, here's the kicker. All the while this is going on, Jesus is saying repeatedly, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And we know he's repeating this because when you study the verbiage of what's going on here in verse 8, it says, was saying. And when you look back in the Greek, this is written in the imperfect tense, which means that he's repeating himself over and over again. 
See, unlike the other times where Jesus just can command a demon to come out of somebody or command a healing and and, and whatever it is, we'll leave it once. This one right here in the text tries to stick around for a little bit. He's trying to will and deal his way around. It's kind of like that annoying friend that that you can't get rid of. You're like, yo, I got to jump on a work call. Well, well, I'll just come with you. No, 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 I, I need my space. Uh, or the kid that won't, your kids that won't let go of you now and then you're in learning. I, I need to go work out with well, daddy. I'll go work out with you too. I'm like, no, I need, I need some time. That, that, that's the demon right here. And, and Jesus seems to know what's going on. And he goes along with it. And then he asks him, well, what's your name? The man says, my name is Legion. Because we are many. Now, a legion was a number of a Roman regiment numbering uh, 6,000 men. Now, now, this does not mean that there's 6,000 demons in this one man, but it does mean that there are many. He even says that in the text. The man now begs, Jesus, please don't send us out of this country. You see, what's going on here is that Demons don't like to wander aimlessly. Hear me. They don't wander. They don't wander aimlessly. What does that mean? They need a host. I, I, I'm telling you, I'm coming to your neighborhood. They need a host. They want a host to destroy. They want a host to prey on. They want a host to devour. And Christians are warned of this in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Look at it. It says, be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Now, friends, we may not be dealing with demons like we see in this text, demon possession. We may not deal with that much in America, but hear me, we do deal with other demons. We deal with addictions. We deal with greed. We deal with pride. We deal with racism. We deal with serving money instead of God. I I know I'm in your living room. We deal with personal achievement at all costs. We deal with all of this and, and much more is heightened in the midst of a pandemic. Friends, anything that begins to consume us more than Jesus is not of Jesus, but instead of Satan. Even if it was a good thing, and it becomes, a, it becomes a bad thing when it's more important than Jesus. I, I say this because some of us, and sometimes this is all of us, sometimes we have the tendency to downplay our struggles here in America. We, we, we downplay our struggles because they're not as pronounced as, as, so to say, demon possession. But that's what makes it all the more dangerous. And hear me, we're all struggling with something right now. And this is where we can tend to miss Jesus because we're too prideful to admit our struggles. We're all struggling with something. See, it can be easy for us to just drift along through life thinking everything's okay, not checking our hearts all the while. We're we're drifting further and further and further away from Jesus and community because in our minds we have rationalized that my stuff ain't that bad or I'm not as bad as this person or, or that guy or that girl. I'm a good person. And then one day you look up and you're like, man, how in the world did I get off this? How did I get this far off? What's going on? 
Friends, Satan ain't playing games with Christians. He's not playing games in this world. This is his playground. He's running around doing it. He he does not want Christians to prevail. He doesn't want people to come to know Jesus. And like this demon that attacks, he's, he's always looking for a host to devour. Scripture says, be watchful, be sober-minded. And Christian, hear me, because I know some of us get too wrapped up in demons and Satan and all that stuff. Hear me. Don't hear me saying that this pandemic is because of Satan. That's not what I'm saying. But do hear me saying that he does want to make your situation and your state of mind worse in this season. He doesn't want you to come out stronger, but instead weaker. But God always allows storms to make us stronger, to make us more proven, to prevail in the wiles of this world. Keep trusting God. See, for this demon to be pulled out of this man and not have a host, it's not going to work for him. They need a host to destroy. They need to devour. So they see the herd of pigs and they're like, yo, Jesus, will you permit us to go to the pigs? I I love it because they still have to ask for permission from Jesus. Will you permit us? And and Jesus is like, yeah, yeah. He he, he lets them go because you remember pigs are considered unclean, the Jewish folks. So Jesus is like, yeah, y'all can take the pigs. Go ahead and jump in the pigs. But the joke's on them because you look at what happens next. They get into the pigs and the, the pigs just run in a stampede right over the steep cliff into the sea and drown in the same sea that Jesus just calmed the chapter before. Ooh, that's good. He still gets the victory. A Jewish perspective, the scene is a joke. You got unclean spirits and unclean animals. They're both wiped out in one fell swoop. And then you have a human being who's cleansed. But what this tells us is that Jesus not only shows his lordship over demons, but he also shows us he can kill them also. This is what makes the next part of this text so intriguing. This is what I've been working to. Hopefully you've been sticking with me. This is what I really want us to pay attention to as I give you vision here in this season. The people saw what Jesus did, and specifically the herdsmen. They went into the city, and the people came, and they saw this man that was once demon-possessed. These people, don't miss this, These people in the text, instead of having faith in Jesus, they see Jesus and his power getting rid of these demons. And when they see this, they are afraid of Jesus. And instead of trusting him, they ask him to leave. It's crazy, right? Let me ask you, because I wonder how many times Because of our fear, we've chosen not to trust Jesus. Worried about this or this is going on in my life or I fear this coming up. So instead of going to Jesus first, we just try to figure it out. How many times have we dismissed Jesus because of our own fear? Now, follow me. 
It's a chapter earlier. The disciples, they're afraid and they're wondering who Jesus is after he calms the storm. And the people here in the text, they do the same thing in the text. And just like the disciples, they miss Jesus because of their fear and their worry. And these people right here, hear me. They miss Jesus because in their minds, if they couldn't control this man and Jesus could, that means that we can't control Jesus, but he can control us. We don't want anything to do with him. So since Jesus was able to control this man, they don't want any parts of him because they know he can control them. See, hear me. What's happening right here, that even though they want this demon-possessed man healed and all this other stuff, they wanted to do it. And what's happening is Jesus is messing up their norm. Ooh, I know it. How many of us can say that our, our, our normal is jacked up right now? Like we said in the beginning, the folks in this text, they like controlling their own environment. Here's the truth. We do, too. We don't like when things are out of whack or out of our control. And that's where we tend to miss Jesus. Now, now watch this. And it's kind of hurt a bit when I read it, because just like Jesus, when he hears the request of the demon, he hears the request of the people and he leaves. Friends, hopefully you have not missed this because here is the problem. The people see, but they really don't see. The people hear, but they really don't hear. Jesus is right here. He just worked a miracle where he pulled the demon out of a possessed man that they all knew. They all saw him possessed. And they don't want what he has to offer or want to know him all because Anything they can't control scares them. Renewal, this passage, like many others, is pointing back to Jesus being Lord and supreme over everything. And there's a stark contrast here in the text that's going on. It's between the folks that know him and then the folks that really don't. And believe it or not, it's the demon-possessed man versus the folks in the village. Now, look at this. The demon knows who Jesus is and he bows at his feet. And although he's conniving and there's all this other mess going on, he knows who's Lord. But the people don't. When they find out what happened, they miss Jesus because they're fearful and desire control. Now, 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 I, I, see, I see. I wonder how many of us, especially in this season, are like these people where we consciously or unconsciously push Jesus to the fringes or to the sidelines trying to control everything in our little world. And y'all, I'm guilty of this myself. This pandemic hasn't been easy. Some days I'm up, some days I'm down. Some days I'm like, Jesus, I got this. I can figure it out. Let me just do this, Jesus. Let me do that. I, I, I promise I'll follow you, Jesus. Let me just do this a little bit more. And then when all else fails, I find myself praying. <laughs> Y'all been there? 
Folks, if we really trusted Jesus, what would our lives be like? What could he do? I know some of us are still missing it. Look back at the text with me, verse 19 and 20. Jesus tells this man, once a demon-possessed man, he cannot go with him. But instead, he says, go tell everybody about the Lord and what it did, what I did for you. And the text says specifically Decapolis. Now, Decapolis was a place where both Jew and Gentile existed. They, it was a place where the people would, could receive Jesus and, and not think of him as some political messiah or military figure. This man could be put back in chains or thrown in jail when he goes back to talk about Jesus. He could even be killed, but none of that stops him from spreading the word. And the word tells us that in Decapolis, the people marveled. What could Jesus do, family, if we just said yes and we just gave him our lives and we laid it all down and we trusted him with everything? What could he do if we really let go of control and said, Jesus, here I am? What would this city be like? What would our lives be like? What would this country be like? What would our homes be like? Family, these people miss Jesus because of their need for control. Can I be honest with you all for a minute? It's going to be a little vulnerable. I, I, I know, I love you all very much. And I know a lot of you all, most of you all. And I, I've spent some time with most of you all. And, and one thing I can say about our, our church family is that <laughs> we're some of the hardest working people that I know. We work hard. And as I was praying through this sermon and I'm thinking about our vision, I looked at what is happening here in this text and with these people that miss Jesus for their want to control their own environments. And I said, Lord Jesus, is that us? Are we missing you, Jesus? Are you really Lord or are we? See, what I'm talking about is that there's this over-infatuation with the need to control our environments. We're so messed up in the midst of this pandemic because our normal is ruined. See, friends, we have sadly become defined too much by what we do or what we control, which is the opposite of faith. You see, the joy of the gospel and the Christian walk is that we work from a place of victory in Jesus and what he did on the cross, which means whether I fail or succeed, I've already won because Jesus has already won. That's good news. You see, Jesus had to gently remind me of this a few years back, not not yesterday, but a few years back. I was sick. I had the flu. I didn't have COVID. It was a few years back. I had a flu and I, and I was I was out. I was down for the count. Y'all, I couldn't move. I'm sitting in my bed. I didn't know what to do. And and and, and I was mad because I was sick. Y'all ever been mad at sickness before? <laughs> I was mad because I was sick. And I'm like, Lord, I can't do this flu thing. 
And, and I'm really mad because I can't do what I want to do. I, I can't go to work. I, I can't accomplish what I want to accomplish. And as I'm sitting there mad, the Lord started to convict me and, and I started to feel bad. And I'm like, Lord, OK, I get what you're saying. And I started to realize what's happening because I'm trying to control my own little space. And I, then I started to notice, man, my wife is at peace a lot more when I'm at this house. Started to notice my kids love when daddy's around, even though all of us sick, we just passing germs around. They did. They're loving that daddy's in the picture. And guess what? The church didn't stop going. The sermon was still written. The sermon was still preached. People were still counseled. God was still lifted up and God had me right where I needed to be. He was still in control. Friends, I say all this to say not for you to look at my situation and look what God had to reveal to me, but for you to examine your life and ask, am I really trusting God with my life, my occupation, my family? See, many of us, instead of trusting God right now, we're trusting him less. We're scurrying around him. We're more stressed than we ever have been in our lives. Friends, sometimes doing less gives us much more. God might have you right where he wants you right now. Stop fighting it. Trust him. Hear me, God is not a God of complication. He asked for one thing, and that's for us to trust and believe by faith and then walk and work by that, from that same place of faith. Friends, there, there are some of us that need to stop moving and trust God. Stop finding new hills to climb. Stop scrolling through social media and news outlets, becoming more and more overwhelmed with this crazy presidential race, which it is kind of crazy. Y'all, I told you, like, we got to pray for it or you're getting overwhelmed in other places like injustice. And y'all don't hear me saying don't be engaged and disengaged. No, we need to vote. We need to get out there. We need to be out there fighting on the lines of injustice and doing this and that. We need to do that. But sometimes it's okay for you to turn it off for a minute. You know why? Because ultimately, at the end of the day, Jesus is still in control. <laughs> He's in control, not us. Just think if we really trusted God with control over our lives. There'd be less anxiety. There'd be less depression. There'd be more time with family and things that count. Some of us cannot see the good in this pandemic because we're always wrapped up in the bad. Friends, hear me. Christians have only one priority. It ain't many priorities. There's one priority that Christians have, and that's not to work hard and achieve a certain level. It's not being able to control every part of your life. No, it's not trying to be a good spouse or the best daddy or the best mommy. The one priority that we have is to trust and believe in Jesus with every part of our lives. That's the only priority for the Christian to trust and believe in Jesus with every part of our lives. When we do that, we begin to hear we begin to see things much differently. 
See, friends, if, if these people weren't so busy trying to control things, just think of what could have happened in that land. Could have been revival. No sickness, no pain. Maybe an overflow of resources, but instead they missed him because of their need for control. And they say, leave, Jesus. Family, be honest with me this morning. Is that us? We unconsciously or consciously, consciously pushing Jesus to the fringes for our need to control. Is Jesus in control or are you? See, maybe it's that relationship you know you shouldn't be in. Maybe it's that job. Maybe you put way too many things on your plate. I, I know I can do that sometimes. You don't know what to do now. Maybe, maybe there's some sin in your life that God has been convicting you of, and you, instead of repenting of it, confessing it, you don't acknowledge it. Maybe it's this pandemic, as, I, as I've named already, and you're just overwhelmed, you're stressed with everything, you're so consumed with it, that you, you don't touch your Bible, you don't go to church anymore, you, you're not calling on Jesus, you're not in community. Has Jesus just become a file in your file cabinet? He's just one part of your life, or is he your life? Friends, are you missing Jesus for the trees? Let's not miss Jesus this season. Hear me, it would be a, a great tragedy if the people of God didn't stand up and believe and trust him in a season where we need God the most. It'd be a great tragedy. Let go of control and let him take the will. Just think what he could do with you. Just think what he could do with this church. Just think what he could do with this world. We said, Jesus, I'm all yours. That's the vision for this season. I want us to see Jesus. I want us to see Jesus in our lives. I want us to see Jesus in our homes. I want us to see Jesus in our community. I want us to see Jesus in the way we think. Family, Jesus wants to be a part of every part of our lives, and there's no better time to trust him than now, and that's for the believer and the unbeliever. To help you with this journey, y'all, I'm excited about this. Next week, we're going to start a seven-week series entitled Moments. Moments, because it, the, the point of it is that hopefully it will help you not miss a moment with Jesus in this season. Because hear me, there's some of us, we haven't picked up our Bible at all. We haven't been spending time with him. We haven't been reading the word. There, there's some of us. They need to join a small group. We need to be in community with other people. We need to fellowship with each other. We need each other. Some, some of us, hear me, we need to learn how to Sabbath. We need to learn how to slow down and just turn off. 
And some of us need to start coming back to church. And yes, I said coming back to church. Statistics show that many people are not involved in a church. They're not listening to sermons. They're not going to, to, to small groups. They're not doing anything. Many of us need to come back to church. People have stopped coming to church. They're not listening to the word being preached. They're not hearing from God. They're, 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 not, they're not in the body right now. Hear me, you will not want to miss these next seven weeks as we walk through this series moments. It will bless you and it will help you not miss Jesus in this season. See, that's the vision. That's my prayer for our church. I don't want us to miss Jesus in this season. I want us to come out of COVID-19 and this pandemic stronger than we were when we went in. And I want us to be able to look back and look at the pandemic and say, wow, look at what God did. Look at what he did. And because of that, it's now fueling us in years to come to be a part of the glory, be a part of his kingdom and, and bring more people into what God is doing, not only in our church, but in this city. But in order to do that, family, we cannot miss Jesus. Family, let's run after him together. And we let, let's let this year, despite all this going on, be our best year. How about it? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your goodness. God, I pray and thank you that you are a God that we can trust. A God that pulls demons out of people. A God that hung the moon and the stars in the sky. A God who doesn't look down on us when we doubt and when we fear and we worry, but a God that still sits there and says, come to me. Come to me. So God, I pray if there are folks right now that are saying, that's me. I'm in a place where I've ran away from Jesus and I need to come back. All they have to do is say, Jesus, I'm here. You're already there, God. You haven't left us nor forsaken us. God, I pray in this season that we would come to you in a way that we've never come, that we would experience you and we'd learn to love you more than we ever have before. Let us trust you beyond a shadow of a doubt and let us see you do amazing, amazing things here in the midst of this pandemic and this season in our life. You are a great God and none of this is throwing you off. So God, let us sit at your feet and let us not be thrown off because of our trust in you. Let us not miss you, Jesus. Father, we love you. We give you all these things. We ask all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast today. I pray that it was a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. I look to see you at one of our services at 930 or 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. Take care. God bless you.